The Damn Podcast is brought to you by the Influential Grooming Lounge. It's more than just a barbershop. It's where influencers elevate each other and the community meets. Welcome, everybody, into another episode of The Damn Podcast with your host, Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. Angie, uh, let's uh, let's start with this. The Oregon State Beavers, they're, uh, they split with the L.A. schools yeah. this, this last weekend. So that's... Did you catch any of those games? Because... I want to talk. I'm kind of see now. I'm going to be like the rant because yeah, go on the rant. So USC, you know, they beat USC. That was that was good. But I'm sorry, the UCLA game they lost by one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it, Marcus, but there was a 28 to three foul, uh, a free throw. Yeah, that was there. yeah, that was bad. It was, I saw that it was 28 to three, and I only caught part of the game. I actually, I think I had to go. To, I went to the gym or something like that. But when I was watching it. Uh, what I did notice, I was these refs like, and, and it's been a huge thing on, you know, on Twitter and everything like that. Is the Pac-12 officiating is bad? Not for you know, not for just Oregon State, but just all around. Like it's pretty bad for basketball. And I can't remember who it was. Um, I think it. I think it's Travis Rice. I don't want to butcher if if that's wrong. I'm sorry, but he always re- he was retweeting some videos about. Basically, I don't know the player, but a UCLA player went up for a layup and an Oregon State player was right behind him like, and went to, you know, obviously kind of just scare him because you don't want to foul him and him get the end one, but he didn't even touch him. Like, it just showed him running at him and the refs called the foul like they were anticipating it, which was horrible. And, you know, obviously that 28-3 to differential in the free throws is huge. That's, you know, it's basically, I don't know how many free throws they made of those, but even if they make half of them, obviously, or whatever it is, but... That's just it doesn't make any sense. Regardless, it's in the past. Oregon State did lose that one, but they still beat SC and SC housed the Ducks the night before or a couple nights before. So and, and UCLA beat the Ducks. Yeah, exactly. So um you know, I think Oregon State, Angie, you can correct me if I'm wrong. They're still sitting a third, so that's pretty yeah, nice. Yeah. Sitting a third. You know, you cut you uh you come back home, you face the Arizona schools. Arizona State is sitting at second right now. Um and Angie, I mean, if it's at Gill, so anything's possible, and hopefully they can come or we can come with another packed house, and you know, have the crowd be a factor, and hopefully, you know, walk away with two of those wins. Yeah, no, it would be, it would be fun. I know, um, you know, this is uh, senior senior night is on Sunday, so the last home stand um, for for um, Stephen and Big G. So uh, it's kind of your last chance to to see these guys at home. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a busy weekend at Gill. There's a there's a um, gymnastics match on Friday, and then in the men's basketball Thursday and Sunday. So um, you know, busy time down in, in Corvallis. I'll be down on Friday as well. There's a um, combine for the football team oh, to yeah. kind of show off what they've uh, accomplished over the seven weeks of uh, winter conditioning. But yeah. we, we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's continue to talk about basketball. Yeah. Um, I mean, would you be happy, Marcus, if they split this week? Weekend? Yeah, I, I would say it, it depends which team they split with because say you lose to Arizona and beat Arizona State, I think I'm okay with that. I think yeah. I really am okay with that. I mean, I think Oregon State, just in general, you know, there's always those teams that, you know, any team that you play or any team that you're a part of, there's always a certain team that's kind of like your, your – I wouldn't say your kryptonite, but in basketball, I know for a fact it's it's – really seemed like it's been Arizona. Obviously, it's because how successful they've been. But, for example, in football, it's always Washington for us, no matter what. You know, we could be, no matter how good we are, we haven't beat Washington in I don't even know how long. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time. So, um, you know, I, I think I would, 
I think I would really be happy. You know, obviously you want to send these seniors out the right way. And if you at least split this, then I think it's the first four teams. And again, Angie, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first four teams, uh, they get a bye, don't they, in the tournament? They get a bye okay. in the, the Pac-12 tournament, yeah. Perfect. Well, that would, I mean, that would be nice. <laughs> you can't yeah. really complain no. about that. So, well, Angie, what do you think? Do you, which team would you say that you prefer them to beat? Uh, you know, maybe the down Arizona team or the, the second place Arizona State? Well, I think, I mean, obviously it's always fun to beat Arizona just because of their history, but um, just with the standings where they're at right now, I think, if you could beat the Sun Devils, that would be a, a big win for, for the Beavers. Absolutely. And uh, I forgot to tell everybody, we I, I always should do this at the beginning of the podcast, but, but we I always end up talking about something else. Our guest for um, this podcast, it's Bob Lunderberg. I don't want to butcher how to say his last name. It, if that's not how to say it, he's going to tell me, and he'll probably chew me out. But he's going to hop on. We're going to talk some Beaver baseball. I know that obviously – we have the best baseball team in the country, so we should probably talk about him. So we're going to do that. He's going to hop on it and talk to uh, and give you guys everything he can. We're just going to talk about it, chop it up, because, again, I'm not a huge baseball guy, as in my knowledge for baseball isn't great, so I don't just want to spew smoke at you guys. And then Adam Nicholson is going to hop on. He's just going to break down all sorts of recruiting news. So those are our guests for the day. But, Angie, uh, before we actually get into the spring baseball we didn't hit this, and I don't know what happened, but Twitter is in like an all-out civil war right now. <laughs> and it and I know that it's usually always like that, like, oh, look at what the Duck fans or the Beaver fans are tweeting, vice versa. But, Angie, I don't know if it's just me, but it seemed like the <laughs> the smack talk has gone to a different level as of, you know, the last couple weeks, you know, with Oregon State uh, knocking off the Ducks in men's and women's basketball. You know, the women's basketball team for the Ducks beat Oregon State. And so, like, smack talk has just been going back and forth. It's been crazy. Well, then you have baseball coming up, softball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, Civil War's always always a little heated. So It has um, been. But it just but seems it like been. on Twitter have, it, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, taken the I, next I step. Agree. It's been, but you have, you know, successful women's basketball programs going head-to-head. You have, you know, basketball still kind of both teams are, are in it somewhat. And then uh, – you know, baseball and softball coming up. Both, uh, well, the Ducks aren't ranked in baseball, but uh, softball they're they're doing pretty well. So, mm-hmm. um, just just some fun, friendly competition. I I always like to say. Yeah, and maybe the, not so friendly sometimes. Right, it's certainly not so friendly, but uh, you know, I still like it though. I mean, I will tweet something, and then I'll get some Duck fans or even some Beaver fans sometimes. I mean, it goes both ways. That you know, they get mad at me and they tweet something back, but. <laughs> You know, I know it's all part of the. I know it's all part of you know just the rivalry and everything. I don't take it to heart because I I was laughing at somebody who said something to me the other day about me working at here at Ten Eight the Fan, which is the home of the Ducks, and yada yada yada. Everyone's getting mad at me, thinking I'm like a huge Ducks fan. All of a sudden, I'm like, you guys, come on now, like, you know, everyone has to put on a front. I'm just kidding. I mean, I. I <laughs> but uh, anyways, enough of this. No, it's it's. There's a, there's an interesting topic too that I wanted to bring up before we we transition. So um, our our colleagues at 24/7 Sports and you can find this at Beaver Blitz. Um, I've tweeted it. I have put it on our Facebook page. It's intriguing to me because it's a look at the top ten worst Power Five football head coaching hires of the past decade. Oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so I'm oh, curious. No. Like so, Mike Riley checked in at number ten for Nebraska's hiring of him. There's, there's one. Um, Gary Anderson checks in at number eight. Mm. Mm. So 
I, I you know, and and I don't see any Willie Taggart. I don't think that was a good hire for Oregon, but or even at at Florida State as well. But so Gary Anderson at eight. Then I'm looking down here. Charlie Strong at Texas, number seven. Hugh Freeze, Ole Miss at six. David Beatty, Kansas at five. Tim Beckman, Illinois at four. DJ Durkin, number three at Maryland. Steve Sarkeesian at SC, number two. And number one, worst power five hire of the past decade, Lane Kiffin at Tennessee. <laughs> Would you have Gary Anderson higher than that? Um... I think I think maybe I would just because, I mean, if, if they're going off, obviously, you know, there's probably a lot of things that play into it, or I don't know how they how they really graded it or ranked it, but I mean, I'm saying I don't know how many games each one of these coaches won. Obviously, I know Coach Riley. I think he went 19 and 19 at um, Nebraska. I think that that was what his overall record was, but I don't even know what Coach A's was. I think it was like what seven and. Something seven and twenty-three. Yeah, and see, and I mean, if if that's worse than a lot of the coaches on that list, then you have to move them up. Not because I'm salty, but just I mean, being realistic, I would say maybe moving up one to two more spots. Uh, just because. And do you think he's he's higher on the list because Oregon State really isn't a major player? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just it, it's hard for me to give this opinion because I feel like I'm. I still hold a grudge, and so You're I do. A little salty. Yeah, yeah, I am for sure salty because, just in general, how it all went down and how some people were treated compared to others. But I mean, Angie, what would you say? Like, do you think he should be up higher or or lower on that list? I don't know. I mean, when you look at how bad Oregon State is after he left, after his two and a half years, mm-hmm. and and you know, I think we're probably just a little closer to it, so we know a little more kind of the ins and outs. Possibly. I mean, the, in, in the write-up, it, it talks about him, you know, leaving the $12 million on the table, and and um, it's not all about the almighty dollar. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I... I... But it's been a discussion in the lodge, and mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to hear what you thought. If you thought he should be maybe five, four. Yeah, I would say maybe moving up to five, at least, just because, like we were saying, it's... I mean, you can't leave a program in the way that he did, and... You know him not him only be at what was it seven right? Uh, eight. Oh, eight. Yeah, there's no chance. He's behind <laughs> you got to move him up. Strong. He yeah. I don't yeah. think, but I know Charlie Strong didn't have the most success. But I mean, he Texas that Texas team would have smashed the Oregon State. Oh, without a yeah, doubt, not even by like se- even. by like seventy. And I yeah. was on those teams, and I'm just being real. So yeah, maybe we move him up. But uh, Angie, let's uh let's kind of transition to spring real quick we were kind of talking about or we should not really preview it fully because we'll wait till next week to do that um but you mentioned a combine on friday so yeah do you kind of want to go into more detail if you can about that and kind of just in- inform the people of kind of what that will i mean i guess it, yeah it's it's kind of i mean it's it's just kind of been announced it's going to be um friday and it sounds like it's open to the public um but it's, the groups will be um, start with O-line, D-line, and there'll be uh, then defensive uh, players and then offensive players. And they'll be basically, I believe, doing, you know, running the 40, doing the bench. It'll be kind of a final test from their winter conditioning program. Which, and, uh, yeah, that's that, going to be big. Been, you know, going on. And so then we start, we kick off spring camp next Tuesday already. 
I don't know. I'm sitting here looking out my office window and there's snow on the ground and we're talking spring football. So um, <laughs> I am ready for spring football, Marcus. I know you're you're breaking down uh, position breakdowns for us. Yes. And we probably will start having those tomorrow on Tuesday. Yeah, we'll start shooting um, those. And so you guys can get really in-depth. Marcus is going to give some opinions on, you know, maybe who needs to step up, who he wants to see, um, you know, and, and just kind of give us a preview of where things stand heading into spring. But um, I'm excited because I don't, I don't recall them doing um, a combine like this in the past. So I, I expect it to be kind of like a pro day situation, mm-hmm. possibly. Exactly. Uh, I'll be heading down, so we'll have some coverage on Beaver Blitz from that event. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for, for spring camp. Yeah, it's, I think it's the best part about them doing this is when they go from – Basically, in the, in the winter conditioning, you have sprint, and then from there, they're going to do this combine. They're going to get all their numbers. They're going to go to spring ball. Then after spring ball, I think you they probably get a week break for spring break or whatever that is. And then from there, um, you go to uh, the summer training. And then, well, no, they're actually breaking up spring this, this oh, year. Are they? So um, they're going to do two weeks here in uh, early March. Then they take uh, de- or finals week and spring break off, and then they'll – come back and do um, a couple weeks in April. So they'll be open to the public. So if you are dying to see the Beavers this spring, they will be in Beaverton at Mountain, Mountainside High School April. I'm going to grab my calendar because I don't want to say. I think it's the it's the 13th of April. So it's a Saturday at Mountainside High School in Beaverton. And then the spring game will be the following Saturday in Corvallis on April 20th. Well, then look at that. I was sitting here trying to give you guys a smart explanation, and then uh, I guess not. But regardless, I think they're going to come back to these um, these numbers after and after they do, you know, like summer conditioning and summer weights and everything like that. And do another yeah, combine. Yeah, and do another yeah. and see, you know, how much they've improved. But <clears throat> it's just nice to get this kind of base down and just kind of see where the guys are at. Obviously, you hope uh, that – Everyone has gotten stronger, faster, quicker, everything like that. But uh, Angie, what I've seen so far is, um, and I and like a, everyone obviously knows that since I was a former player, I still know some of the guys. Not as many, obviously, but some of them. And it looks like a lot of Saturday mornings are, you know, and you know what they are, Angie. They're running stairs. That's what I see Saturday mornings being and running routes. That's what you talk. You've talked about that now for a year on the on the damn podcast. Yeah. That was you. I mean, those are the guys that want it. Mm-hmm. And now that's that's what I'm seeing. I, it went from me seeing one to two guys to I'm seeing 10 to 15. I'm seeing a lot. And then I'm seeing a lot of guys, you know, sitting in the film room. I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of that. So that's I mean, that's really good. And that's a good thing to finally see is, um, you know, they're taking it upon themselves because I think a lot of people put it on the coaches, as we always talk about, as, you know, well, how many years are you going to give them? You know, if this coaching staff can't do it, then who's going to do it, right? And, you know, certain circumstances, as we know with the last staff, are different. But at some point, we put it on the players, too. And so now that you yeah. see them putting in the extra work, it's it's now that I'm here, what am I going to do with it? And that's, you know, what I – if I had a chance to talk to all the freshmen coming in, that's what I'm saying is, listen, you guys, I get it, right? All the hype, everything like that, it's all over. Right, because and every single college football player who has been there or is still there will tweet this, and I've seen it so many times. Is all right, y'all. Like this is like the whole you know Twitter fan everything like that. Everyone looking at you on social media, all that's over with now. Because if you bring that into college, nobody cares. It's the same thing with uh, a good example that I know for a fact because you know we talk about it so much here at the station is that um, is Kayvon, Kayvon Thibodeau. 
the one yep. for the Ducks. Yep. You know, people are expecting him, and I'm certain he expected to come in, kind of be that top guy, and everyone kind of hype around him. But that, like I was saying on a show I have, is you know he's going to be down the list ten or fifteen spots. Like you're not coming in being the main guy. It's the same thing, you know. Guys don't come in and just be the top dog. You have to earn that right, and you have to earn that. It's the same thing with these, you know, these players coming in for the Beavers. Is all these guys that are already on the team? They're not going to come in and say, "Oh my goodness!" Like, do you see this yeah. guy was oh. a four, yeah? He was a four or five star guy, right? Nobody five star cares. guy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nobody, nobody cares. cares. Yeah, it's a uh, okay. You're another guy. You have to prove yourself to us, right? And so that's what it's going to be. But you know, just to wrap that up is it's just good to see them finally putting in that extra work because. You have to have a give a shit factor, and if they don't have it, then they're going to keep losing. If they have it, then things are going to start to turn around. The give a shit factor, I like it. Yes, it's a it's a big thing, but uh, it, that's only that's like I said, it's only if they take it upon themselves because the coaches the coaches give you the blueprint. You have to you you kind of have to build up, and that's yeah. you know that's all on you. But I know a lot of guys have been doing a lot of extra. Um, I don't know obviously everything. And if I did, I probably wouldn't say it. But, you know, that's something that we could take away at least is that things are changing. It went from two people starting to do extra to like 20 or 30. So that's great. That's a good thing because that doesn't happen everywhere. Or it should, Perfect. but it never does. It but, should, uh, but it doesn't. Exactly. But uh, Angie, well, do you want to get some damn questions in? Let's get some damn questions in. All right. Damn questions are brought to you by Body of Health Chiropractic and Wellness Center. Dr. Jason Young has been the chiropractor for Oregon State Athletics since 2011. Go to yourbodyofhealth.com for more information. Okay, Marcus, I have a really good question here from Hopeful Beave, uh, Hopeful Beave on Beaver Blitz. He says, we constantly hear about how poorly the Pac-12 network is doing. OSU is a program that could really use the extra money from the network with no quick fix that we can't just simply change existing TV contracts. What can Beaver fans do now to help improve the situation? Oh, wow. That's a good question. It is. Um, I don't know because here's the thing. You know, I remember someone asked me a question um, a long time ago about – you know, how, like filling the seats basically in Research Stadium, right? And he was a, sick, a season ticket holder. Um, and how do you convince him to like renew his tickets? It's the same thing. I would say is just, you know, when it comes to certain games, right? And you never want to be, and I, like everyone says, you know, if we always bag on Oregon, I'm sorry, but it's an Oregon State podcast, it's a rivalry. I think we can all agree that that's kind of how it goes. Um, but, there was a time that Dana Altman really said that he put it on the fans because they didn't show up for certain situations or certain games that you needed them. And, you know, stuff like that really supports the players, supports um, the coaching staff. And it kind of it's a good look for your school, especially when Pac-12 Networks is there, right? And so, yeah. Angie, a good example is, you know, the Civil War game, obviously it's a big game, two top-ranked teams going at it. So Pac-12 Networks is or ESPN, all these people want to be there. But that's, I mean, that was a good showing. And so... I would say if you're, you know, how could you help? I don't know the ins and outs, Angie, probably as well as you do. I'm just giving it from a player standpoint is the more you guys show up and the more you support and the more supportive you are and positive, it's, it makes it that much better for the players. And hopefully from there we can just continue to build off it. That was a pretty broad answer. but that, No, I'm but just, I, I totally agree with yeah. you. I mean, that's, and that kind of ties into um, Matt Chifoni has a question about what uh, when do you think the athletic department will adjust ticket pricing to match Closer to demand, I, I think it all ties together. Um, you know, this 
right now with basketball, with you know, you think back, you know, if you watch some of the old, even like the 2000 Civil War and, and some of these games that used to be on um, on TV, the experience has changed so much from live in person to watching on TV. I mean, it's a better experience. Mm-hmm. You watch those 2000, you know, classic games on TV now and you're not as good of angles and it's just, it was way better to be at the game in person. Yeah. And I would argue that it's not now with all the camera angles and the HD and, you know, you can sit in your house with the beverage you want, the food you want, and watch the game in a, in a better, you know, better experience. So that's where the athletic departments need to get creative. Um, even food, you know, I, I mean, we've seen this now in the NFL, Atlanta Falcons, even with the Super Bowl, um, they lowered pricing on all their concessions mm-hmm. to make it, you know, I mean, I think you could have like a meal at the Atlanta Falcon Stadium for under like $7. Yeah. It's unheard of yeah. at most stadiums, but they saw prices go, or, you know, they saw revenue go up. So um, as far as supporting and what, what fans can do, it's really, it's buying tickets. It's getting there. It's, it's the athletic department getting creative and, and getting tickets in the hands of, you know, boys and girls clubs or youth football programs or youth basketball programs to fill the stadiums, to fill Gill Coliseum, to get a, the atmosphere, like you talk about from a player standpoint, but also, you know, it looks, it, it has the look on TV. You need to kind of create um, create demand, I guess, mm-hmm. um, when the team isn't doing as well to sell it out and, and make it a reason for fans to want to go down there. I mean, it's when the majority of your fan base lives in Portland or the Portland metro area, it's, a, it's, a, it's an all-day experience to yeah, go down there. Absolutely. So um, tra- that means traffic and looking at ways to, to get out of Corvallis after the game, make it easier to get out um, so you're not spending three hours trying to get home. Uh, making it a fun, um, enjoyable um, experience, and not breaking the bank to bring a family of four to the football game. To a mm-hmm. football game, absolutely. So. You just hit it right on the head, Angie. There's so no- that's that's mine. You know, that's and and then as they win, then yeah, I mean, then then supply and demand. You can charge more for seats, and you you know you can you can do that. But those are just some ideas off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> because I've never thought of this before, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I probably talk about it way too much. Well, I mean, you you killed it. I just gave the players answer. So, I mean, yeah, yeah no, but it's but it's it, it's so true though. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about it from a player's perspective. As a player, you want all the you know you want that atmosphere. You want the crowd noise. But also from a fan perspective, I'll talk from a fan perspective. Do you want to sit in a stadium that's half full and dead and there's nobody around you, or do you want to be able to high five people around you and yell and scream and stand up and cheer? Yeah, right. It, it exactly. Both, it's both ways, right? Blazer games used to be pretty dull when they weren't sellouts mm-hmm. absolutely and that, and that's the thing too i get to go to and report at some blazer games and i mean they're almost not sold out but i mean it's packed pretty much every single night no matter who you play yeah right yeah. and so that that just makes it so much better because i've been to plenty of games obviously and have played in plenty of games where the crowd is little to none you know at a place you know honestly at reeser it's been like that but you know at a place like ucla where it's not even close to a sellout no. Right. And it's just like, you're like, are we even like playing an actual college football game or is this like practice? It really felt like practice. And so I don't know. I mean, it's just so much better when you have support from the whole community and everything like that. And I think that's what makes obviously Oregon State and Beaver Nation so unique is that no matter what, like, you know, we always have that support and that's super big for the players. So when it does turn around, whenever that is, think about it, like we'll feel like we're on top of the world. 
Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Okay, so that's that's a, that's a kind of a short, but maybe that's a maybe that's a podcast discussion someday. Absolutely. Um, uh, here for the Beavers. Okay, I love here for the Beavers. He is gung ho Beaver fan. I remember I met him at the recruiting dinner. So um, this is another blitz question. Jalen John is an in-state four-star. Looks like an early lean for Oregon State. Any thoughts on him? So I'm anxious. I think it's going to be this week that Rival or 24/7 will. Um, be releasing their new 2020 rankings. Um, I think we see him possibly drop to a high three-star. We see Jalen John. Um, I'm anxious to see where that lands because I think, you know, one of the Oregon State Beavers' top guys for the 2020 class is that a Jesuit, is Andy Alfieri. He right now is, I think, listed as the number six prospect in Oregon. I expect him to make a big jump and uh, potentially see a four-star ranking. So um, there's some talent, but talking to the the analysts with 24-7, Oregon has a lot of talent this year, but probably only one or two four-star guys. So, um, But right now, Oregon State's doing really well. Jalen John, Silas Starr, um, Junior Walling, they already have John Miller commitment out of Tualatin High School. Like I said, Andy Alfieri is one of the top prospects for the Beavers this, in 2020. So um, lots of guys to, to watch here in the state of Oregon coming up. Absolutely. And, you know, that's – if. If you get in-state guys, like think about that Alfieri guy. I watched him play one time, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like we should, <laughs> we should probably, you know, up our priority to get him because he's a great player. But because his brother plays for the Beavers right now, and uh-huh. he had I, a brother at Stanford. Yeah, exactly. He yeah he was at Stanford, and I mean that's good blood to have. <laughs> that's some good but blood. But dad to have. played for the Beavers, and mom ran track for the Beavers, so there's some you know history there. Right, so you can either follow in some footsteps or uh, you can make your own path, though. Regardless, it doesn't, you know, We if you're Oregon State, I think that's a guy that you obviously should probably try and get because you never know. I mean, he could turn out to be one of the best players we've ever had. Who knows, right? That's a, that's a, that's why I love it so much, though, is because it's all about what happens when a player gets here. When he gets here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matt Schifoni has, we'll finish up with, this is a pretty good question. It's a two-part, we already kind of talked about one of the parts of his question, but um, assuming basketball season ends with an NIT bid, would you call it a success, Marcus? Mm, I don't think so. I really don't. Unfortunately, just because, you know, I, I've been talking about with Brandon Sprague about this. And for those of you, who've, of you excuse me, who know Brandon Sprague, he's, uh, he's pretty hard. You know, he's pretty, uh, <laughs> I would, yeah. yeah, he's pretty stern, like get straight to the point. You know, he, he said we have what, two or we have three, is it three, four stars, right? Yeah, with Trace. Three, yeah. With these, like you have, you have three, um, four stars, and you can't make the tournament. He's like, that's not success. That's that's you know underachieving. And so he really put it in perspective for me, just because he's like, well, listen, you know, you have these great players. I know other teams get all these stars and everything. It matters, you know, what happens when a player gets here. But you know, I don't know, Angie. He might have changed my mind and really broke it down for me. Like, listen, you have three four star guys who, or at least two of them, have obviously more experience and could easily play in the NBA or at least the G league. Right. And you haven't got to the, or you got to the tournament one time. So that's, that's pretty much underachieving. So I don't know. I don't think I'd call it a successful season. I'm not going to go as far as Sprague and say, it's like a horrible season. Cause I don't well, think but I, but was... I, do, I tend to agree somewhat because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is PAC 12 is not a strong conference. Yeah, exactly. A down and year. So, and I mean, they might get one team in with Washington. That might be it. So, in all honesty, this is a team that's a veteran team, and uh, yeah, it's 
I mean, will Beaver fans be angry? No, but I wouldn't call it a success. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that we need or we could have had a lot more. We still can. Say we finish the season out, I don't know, strong and say the only team we end up losing to maybe is a UW because, I mean, they're UW right now and they're on fire. So say that's the only team we lose to. I still don't know, you know, what kind of bid you'd get. Angie, I don't know if you would know this either. Uh, maybe you do. Say they go. I don't. I mean, I, I'm, I haven't looked too closely at yeah. kind of where, where they're falling right now. Well, who knows? You know, maybe it turns out being really good. Maybe it doesn't. Regardless, you know, I just think Sprague is right. We shouldn't be calling this a successful season if, you know, if we have these, this kind of talent, this kind of experience, and we only get to the NIT. Now, if you win in the NIT, then okay, then yeah, <laughs> please call a successful season. At least in my mind, right? If you at yeah, least win, exactly. if you're not going to be able to get to the tournament, you at least win the NIT. That's I, w- I will take that. You'll take it. Absolutely. Well, Angie, do you have anything else to add? I don't. I mean, I'm excited for the guests, though. It'll be a fun, fun discussion. Yes. And one last thing, Angie, before you go is kind of, if you could, really quick, I just want to know, in a way, what, what do you think that this spring is going to bring that's different from uh, the last spring that you saw with this football team? It, it's experience. Mm-hmm. You know, this Last spring, it was all new. It was a new staff. It was a new culture, and and the staff was trying to change the culture. Now it's set. So now I I think we focus less on kind of the off-field stuff, and we can really get down to the nitty-gritty and watch, A, they're healthy, Mm -hmm. and B, they know the system, they know the staff, there's some trust that's been built there. Now we can actually see football, X's and O's, and who's improving and, you know, who's not. Absolutely. Angie, thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to know. I'm just curious. No, it's fun. And next on Monday, next Monday, Marcus, let's let's just make it a point. It is going to be a spring camp preview extravaganza. Yes, we're going to dive in on spring and the players break down kind of some stuff like that and really just preview the whole thing. But Angie, if you have nothing else, everybody, thank you for listening to this first part with the Angie Machado. We're going to switch it over now to Adam Nicholson. And then after that, we're going to get Bob Lundberg. I thought it was Lundberg, but it's Lundberg on. So uh, stay tuned for that. And Angie, thank you so much. Thank you, Marcus. All right, everybody. And we are back in our second part of this damn podcast. We are joined now by Beaver Blitz recruiting analyst, Adam Nicholson. Adam, first of all, thank you so much, my man, for hopping on the podcast with us. Not a problem, man. Always a pleasure, especially getting to chop it up with you, man. Absolutely. And so, you know, Adam, you're kind of our, our go-to recruiting guy right now. So what kind of what kind of Beavs recruiting kind of news do you have? Anything we're talking, any sports, football, basketball, softball, just fill us in, man. I'm sure these people would love to hear it. Definitely. Well, A, it's a blessing here at, at uh, Beaver Blitz to be able to cover all these sports now. We aren't just football. We're men's basketball, women's basketball recruiting, baseball recruiting. So uh, a lot of exciting times right now as uh, spring camp is starting to ramp up. So we're getting official or unofficial visitors coming to campus, checking it out. Official visitors will be coming out later. Um, we got basketball. They're looking to get at least one more piece probably to this 2019 signing class. Uh, women's basketball picked up a commit from Serbia here in the last couple of weeks, uh, Jelena Mitrovic. She's a six foot nine post. Uh, we're working on getting a little bit more information um, regarding that. And then there's baseball, and, man, they got a full class and a lot of studs coming in. So kind of pick your poison. I think we should probably start with a little football talk, though. Absolutely. What do you think? Let's, uh, let's start with some football, my man. Let's go right into it. 
Yeah. Uh, so last week we had a three-star offensive lineman, uh, Levi Rogers, on campus for an unofficial visit. He stopped by. Uh, kid is really starting to heat up. I think he has, what, five offers right now, but then spent. So he was he was here two weekends ago, not this immediate last weekend, the weekend before we caught up with him. Really likes Oregon State, but he is definitely out and about. He was out in South Bend this last weekend, taking in Notre Dame. Um, still waiting to see if they offer. Um He's right. He's from up near, uh, where is he from? Uh, like half an hour away from UW's campus. Okay. Um, so they could factor in if they offer. However, I, I wouldn't necessarily call him a UW lean, even if they did offer, because he just actually recently moved from Maryland out to Washington. Oh, okay. Um, so he's, he's going to be more open to the recruiting process, I feel like. Um, Coach Mahalachek is really in strong with them. Coach Cook, this has been involved, and things are going well in that camp. Um, got a few more news and notes. Uh, the recruiting picture as far as uh, visits for spring camp are starting to um, become more clear. One athlete that announced that he's going to be taking an unofficial up here uh, is a name that we're all familiar with, Chad Johnson Jr., uh, is expected to be up here for the spring game. He's a difference maker, although he's committed right now to Arizona State, so uh, we'll want to keep an eye on that and see if that uh, visit materializes, though. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you can get Chad Johnson, come on, man. A Chad Johnson, Chad Johnson Jr., Chad Johnson the fifth. It does not matter. It doesn't matter to me. I just think anything along the lines of that will be cool. And I mean, it's guys like that that you need to get back into the program, you know, just in general. With Coach Smith being around now, hopefully I know it'll be hard, but you know, maybe one day we can get Chad Johnson back at Oregon State's campus just to kind of check it out, you know, kind of might as well you know, have a guy like that who really was a, a turning point for this program, just to have him come back and, and co- reconnect with the program, I think that would be huge. Yeah, definitely. It's it's, a, it's a, another mouthpiece who can help promote uh, the university and the mm-hmm. program. Um, outspoken doesn't hurt either, being outspoken. <laughs> so um, shifting gears, though, we had an exciting weekend inside Gill over the last, what, week and a half with Civil War taking court. Absolutely. Um, both men's and women's defended Gill, and then the, the women's team continued to, to uh, protect Gill this past weekend with the L.A. schools um, coming to town and, uh, you know, led by Aaliyah Goodman, who just got recognized as the ESPNW Player of the Week um, for the nation. That's pretty high honors there, best player in the nation for the week. Um, they are really starting to pick up steam. They've, as I mentioned before, they picked up that commit from Jelena Mitrovic. She's a six foot nine post. And uh, you look at this recruiting class that Scott Rook's been able to assemble here for 2019. He already has six foot six, six foot seven. Kennedy Brown post out of Derby, Kansas, uh, signed and sealed and waiting to be delivered here this summer. And she goes in with uh, another five-star both Kennedy and Taylor Jones are two five-stars already Taylor's a six-foot-three post out of Dallas Christian High School down there in Dallas Um, both of them are playing phenomenal ball right now but then you add in six-foot-nine Jelena Mitrovic and that is a front line that could compete with any team in the nation right Mm -hmm. there Um, Jelena Mitrovic I talked with somebody close to her recruitment she had over somewhere in between 40 to 50 different opportunities to prove to uh go towards or choose from in her recruiting process. So I'm not just talking about collegiate um, opportunities here stateside. She had opportunities to go pro and play overseas um, coming straight out of high school. So for her to choose Oregon State 
uh, I think that really speaks volumes to the reach of the program right now to be able to go, you know, 3,000, I don't know the distance to Serbia, but, you know, it's across the pond yeah. for sure to go get this elite post player and bring her into the fold. Um, it's really going to be, you know, it's something that next year, so sky's the limit this year, in my opinion. They could they could make an elite eight run. They have a chance to go to the final four of this women's basketball team. But next year, I think that we'll, with this class coming in, it only further cements their um the legacy of the program and the prestige of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's exciting there on that front. And then you look at the, the recruiting class that they have, who they're targeting for 2020 and it's, you know, uh, who's, who's the list of five stars, the top athletes in the nation, the number one athlete in the nation, Paige Buchers, point guard out of Minnesota, the number two athlete in the nation, uh, Cameron Brink. This is all according to ESPNW hoop girls is what I'm operating off of here. Uh, Cameron Brink, she's committed to Stanford, but she's right in our backyard up at Southridge high school in Beaverton. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon state continued to send out feelers to see how she is, how firm she is in her, uh, commitment there to Stanford. Number three player in the nation is Haley Van List. She's a point guard out of Kashmir, Washington. Um, she's highly interested in Oregon State. Um, back channels kind of say that it's kind of between UConn and Oregon State right now for her commitment. So she's going to be one that um, I would not be surprised if she were to be setting up an unofficial visit here in the near future to try to take in, um, you know, whether it's a postseason game, something like that. Excuse me. Uh, then also they're in on the number four athlete in the nation, Caitlin Clark. She's more of a combo guard. She's out of Dowling Catholic High School in Iowa. Um, she put up 60 points earlier this year. Oof. Right there, that's the top four players in the nation that are all highly considering Oregon State. You get any one of those, let alone two that they're highly linked with, that is a phenomenal class. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look further down the line, you got like a, a – Delilah Daniels, who kind of is a post-wing type player out of Garfield High School in Washington. Uh, another athlete that I'm really high on is four-star Sasha Goforth. She's a top 20 athlete in the nation. She's out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I spoke with her coach, and kind of reading between the lines, she might be an Oregon State lean, and she is a spitting image of uh, Katie McWilliams right now. Kind of same skill set, same size, really same abilities, and I think she would be a perfect addition to the uh, Oregon State program. Well, that would be, you know, that would be huge and any time that we can just continue to build kind of this this empire really because Oregon State women's basketball is no joke, you know. It's it's starting to become one of those if not already is a top, you know, women's basketball program in the country. And so, the more you can build off it, the more great players that see what Oregon State offers and after coming off a weekend like they did, you know, and, and knocking off the Ducks as well at home. I mean, you can't really ask for a better experience for anyone who was at the game, anyone watching the game, or anyone who's, you know, maybe even choosing between the Ducks and the Beavers. Definitely, I agree. And what was so unique about that Civil War matchup, just the whole weekend, the men's game Saturday night, you had all eyes on the Pac-12 landscape on Oregon State, Gil Coliseum, that game. You shift gears two nights later to – uh Monday night, the women's game, it wasn't just the Pac-12 who was watching intently. Packed Gill, it was the entire nation was on hand watching that game and two just juggernauts going at it and mm-hmm. Oregon State coming out on top. So it's it's really exciting in that realm right now. And, you know, speaking of the men's team, they already have their three signees. 
uh, as part of the 2019 class in combo guard Jared Lucas, point guard Gianni Hunt, and uh, wing uh, Julian Franklin. Um, unfortunately, Julian's uh, Villa Park team and Jared Los Altos' team season came to an end um, two weeks ago. Gianni, actually, though, they qualified for the CIF Southern Section Open Division um, playoffs. Um, and so it's, it's a eight, the top eight teams from the Southern section are seated and they're broken up into two pools and they play pool games and the winner from each pool dances to play in the, uh, championship game. Well, uh, Bishop Montgomery, which is Johnny Hunt's team was seated in that eighth spot and ended up pulling off the upset, uh, beating, um, Rancho Christian, I do believe, and Etiwanda to advance out of their pool, the number one and the number four teams, advanced out of the pool to play Sierra Canyon this last Saturday. Um, it was a really back-and-forth game. Sierra Canyon ended up coming out on top, but it's looking like Bishop Montgomery is going to qualify for the state tournament now. Uh, I thought I had seen the bracket set up, but I, I am not able to find it right now. Um, they should be playing next week, though, for the chance to play in a state tournament. Uh, play for a state championship. Um, I really like all three of those guys on the men's side. Jared Lucas set the Southern section scoring record. Um, and it's like the third all time yeah, career scoring leader for the state of California. Yeah. I mean, just able to do it at all three levels, get it done. Julian Franklin can play the wing, can play some down in the post. He's six, six long can kind of do it all. He'll probably take a little bit longer to progress and fit into the rotation. Um, but definitely Jared Lucas is going to be a plug-and-play guy from the beginning. Johnny Hunt is going to compete for that starting point guard spot. He's definitely a true point. Similar to Antoine Vernon, they just play kind of different games, but they're both um, managers, which I think is a part that uh, this team kind of lacks at times, being able to lead the offense and uh, get something out of every possession and all, as well lock up on the defensive end. Um, but they're still looking for possibly one more piece. You know, they had an offer go out to a JUCO athlete here a few weeks ago. Um, they're definitely assessing where they're at. They have two open scholars possibly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they push hard for one more guy or if they decide to carry over those scholars to the 2020 class. Absolutely. And, uh, Adam, we only got a uh, probably, I would say, about a minute left. If there's anything else you want to add, you kind of just broke that down for us, and I'm sure everybody is. Uh, maybe you and I are going to have to get our own podcast. I know we've kind of talked about that, but maybe you and I are going to give you, or maybe you and myself can start a podcast or something like that, anything along the lines of that. But, I mean, regardless, we're going to get you back on. Obviously, I know spring's coming up for football as well. Um, the ladies are in full swing. There's still baseball we have to talk about probably next week. We kind of got a lot going on right now. It's a good time to be a beef. But, uh, Adam, is there anything else you want to add, my man? Nah, man, I'm just looking forward to baseball starting up, too. I mean, you got the best of the best right here in Corvallis. You can't go wrong with what they're building. Um, but, yeah, I just look forward to speaking with you again soon, Marcus, and uh, reaching out to all the fellow blitzers out there. Absolutely. Everyone, thank you for listening to this uh, segment of the damn podcast we got bob Lunder lunderberg i don't want to butcher it like i said but we got him next and so thank you guys so much for listening and adam thank you so much for joining us my man thanks marcus i'll talk to you soon bro uh, yep thank you everybody for listening to the next part of our damn podcast now we are joined with freelance writer who primarily writes for i should say for or with the oregonian uh we got bob Lund lundeberg i don't want to butcher that either bob we just want to say thank you so much for hopping on first of all my man 
absolutely. Thanks for having me, Marcus. Uh, so, Bob, we know, you know, at least I know, like I was telling you a little off air, is that, you know, we don't really have a lot of baseball coverage in a way. We don't really, we don't really talk about it as much as we should. We just, Angie and I know that, you know, we don't want to overstep our boundaries. And so me, like I tell people all the time, I don't know everything about baseball. And, you know, I, I don't know how to break it down as well as obviously football or something. But, you know, having you hop on, we kind of just want to talk some baseball with you, man. So I guess I'll just start like this, you know, kind of give us your overall thoughts so far. I know you said you haven't seen a game in person yet, but they're eight games in. Um, I know I've been just kind of checking the scores a little bit. I know they housed somebody a couple weeks ago. It might have been Minnesota, but uh, maybe it's Nebraska. I don't know. But both, bo- yeah, both of them. All right, <laughs> we'll see. This is why we brought you on, Bob. We'll kind of give us your breakdown, Bob, so far and what you've seen. You know, uh, th- this team uh, entering the season expectations were, were certainly high. You know, coming off those back-to-back College World Series appearances and obviously the national title last June. But you know, there, there was there were going to be so many changes with, with this group because, you know, Pat Casey retired. So many players were drafted. A lot of the pitching staff remained intact. So I think people thought that, you know, both the bullpen and the starting rotation, I, I think expectations there were for Oregon State to continue to be strong. But there really were questions throughout the lineup just because, you know, having to replace your Nick Madrigal, Caden Grenier, Trevor Larnick, Michael Gretler, just all those kinds of guys, Stephen Kwan, Jack Anderson. I mean, it was a long, long list of guys that Oregon State needed to replace. But I, I think what we've seen through the first eight games is may, maybe the lineup is going to be pretty pretty solid after all. I mean, it starts with Adley Rutschman, as everyone knows. He, he's had a great start to the season with four home runs. Couple new guys have really filled in: Kyler McMahon, Alex McGarry, Bo Phillip. I mean, we've seen Tyler Malone hit, and really the Beavers have put up runs in, in most of these games. You know, Seventeen and one against Nebraska, thirteen and zero win against Minnesota. Uh, I think probably the biggest takeaway has just been how good this young offense is. I mean, there might be some questions with uh, level of competition. I don't know how good this Nebraska team is. Certainly, Minnesota. Gonzaga are always strong programs, and I do think we'll maybe learn a little bit more this upcoming weekend uh, when the Beavers uh, open up at home finally with a three-game series against West Virginia, uh, a pretty solid team out of the Big 12. But, you know, it, it's been a great start to, to the year for these guys, and uh, hopefully the weather holds up this weekend so we can actually watch some baseball. Absolutely, and, you know, you talked about Adley Rushman, and you know he was actually one of my teammates when I played football at Oregon State, so... <laughs> Talk about just, first of all, a freak athlete. I mean, there's no way you should come in, start as a kicker. And, you know, I remember I watched a quick story for everybody. We were playing Stanford, and I was on kickoff, and I watched him kick the ball off, run down, and Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, Heisman Trophy finalist, everything starter for the Carolina Panthers, he, he got the ball sprinting down the sideline, and we're like, dang, he's going to house this. And all of a sudden, Adley comes out of nowhere and just flatbacks him. And I was like, was that our kicker? I was like, what? But, I mean, just seeing that, it's crazy. But kind of talk about the expectations with him because, as everyone knows, he's a great player. I think on, I would say, most of the things I've seen with the MLB draft coming up, he's the number one guy. So can you kind of talk about him a little bit? Yeah, I mean, entering the year, I don't think expectations really could have been any higher for Adley considering he hit 400 a season ago, played you know arguably the best defense from the catcher position in the entire country, and won College World Series, most outstanding player. And like you mentioned, he's number one basically on all draft boards. He really has been 
pretty much since the the end of last year, just because he's got that ideal frame, you know, 6'2", 220 pounds, just built, great athlete, like you mentioned, a switch-hitting catcher who's got a great throwing arm and can hit for power and average. I mean, he really just is the complete package. So to, for, for Adley, I mean, to put up, like, some of the offensive numbers, you know, with averages that he did a season ago, I mean, I think it would have maybe been natural for there to be a bit of a dip there just because he lost some protection in the lineup and teams. I mean, he's such a known quantity now. Teams are, are really going after him and pitching him differently. But, I mean, Adley's hit exactly the same, if not better, than he did a season ago. 400 right now through eight games, four home runs. I just – he's – he really is just the complete package, and I, I would be at this point. I think I'd be surprised if he wasn't the number one overall pick. I just I don't see how you could pass that up. Absolutely, and I know that the Beavers got a new um, head coach with Pat Casey leaving and everything like that. But you know, is, has it not has it surprised you at all that kind of the the turnover, at least so far, hasn't been? You know, I wouldn't say as. I wouldn't say bad. It obviously isn't bad, but, you know, mm-hmm. has it caught you off guard? You know, these guys are just coming out, and it's just – it seems like game after game after game. When it comes down to a play that needs to be made, they make it. And, you know, I would say – like I tell everybody, I'm not a big baseball guy, but every time I see that, I'm just like, how do these guys – every time the tide starts to seem like it's going to turn, they somehow respond, right? And they somehow fight back, uh-huh. and they somehow just come away. And, you know, we haven't seen it so far with – games being crazy close I know I think there's been one at maybe the very first game but besides that Mm -hmm. it's it's like these guys they just they have so much experience at least it seems like they have all of the all these pieces that just work together so well and so has it kind of caught you off guard that they're really this good or do you is it kind of just expectation now I think it's kind of just the expectation now it certainly would have been natural for there to be some sort of dip just going from Pat Casey, you know, the, great, the greatest coach in program history, to, to Pat Bailey. But, you know, really, there, there's, there's just a lot of similarities between those two guys. You know, great friends, uh, both coached at George Fox. Pat Bailey's been on staff, uh, had been on staff for a very long time before he was promoted to interim coach. And just philosophically, Pat Casey and Pat Bailey are, are quite similar, and they do a lot of things the same way. Pat Bailey the last several years has handled a lot of the practice duties, a lot of scouting and preparation. So there's just there, there hasn't been too much change. When, when you watch practices, it, it pretty much looks the same. Guys, the, just the overall feel around the program is kind of the same. And other than Pat Bailey uh, or other than Pat Casey leaving, the staff is largely the same. You still have Nate Yeski there handling the pitchers. You still have Andy Jenkins there. And then obviously Bailey, now the interim head coach. So to to say that uh, to say that I was expecting them to go eight and zero with you know a new head coach and, and so many new players down in Arizona, I, I maybe wouldn't have expected that. But I, I don't think we should be too surprised that the Beavers will you know again appear to be a national title contender. Absolutely, and that kind of you know they are. It seems like they're always you know a, a national title contender, but so. Let's do this. You know, if I know we always talk about the positives because it's hard to when your baseball team or it's hard not to when your baseball team is this good. But are there any areas on this team that you kind of scratch your head maybe or or question or you need to see some growth from? Well, from a pitching perspective, I I don't really think there are any questions. Just the starting rotation appears deep. They they have experience there with Kevin Abel, Bryce Femmel. Sam Tweet, Grant Gambrell, and Oregon State probably does have the best bullpen in the entire country, just with so many names, so much depth, 
and just a variety of pitchers there. So I don't think I have any questions really at all about the pitching staff. You know, in terms of the lineup, I think some spots have yet to be shored up. I mean, I don't really know who will be the everyday third baseman yet. Uh, Preston Jones and Joe Casey have kind of been splitting some time out in left field. Not sure a candidate has necessarily emerged as the designated hitter, unless that ultimately ends up being Alex McGarry. So I think there are still a couple of questions throughout the lineup. But, you know, that that's very common in non-conference play. I think with Oregon State teams, you often see them mix and match the lineup, you know, the first two, three, four weeks of the season. And it often really isn't until, you know, about Pac-12 play begins that you start to see the same lineup go out there day after day after day. So there, I do think there are maybe some question marks just with, with how everything will shake out in Oregon State's, you know, everyday lineup. But I also wouldn't be too worried about that at this point. Absolutely. And Bob, kind of last question for you is, I know, I know they just came off, you know, being the, <laughs> the national title, you know, uh, winner, excuse me, but kind of talk about in a way your expectations, a hundred percent realistic. If you can, you know, for me, this is kind of an outside guy looking in at college baseball. So for me, I see, you know, these pieces that are coming together. I'm like, okay, this Oregon State team, I mean, I'm taking them over everybody. And I, I, I don't know baseball like that. So that's just from my perspective. But, you know, for me, I'm thinking they can easily get back and, and repeat. But kind of talk about what you think. Do you really think that it's a realistic thing for this team? Do they have all the pieces that they need? And if they don't, do you think those pieces can come together, you know, later in the season and get through what I would say a pretty tough, you know, Pac-12 conference? Yeah, you know, entering the season, I I thought that probably a realistic expectation for this group was to contend for the Pac-12 title uh, with UCLA. I I kind of figured that the Bruins would, would probably win the league and Oregon State would, would finish second. And, uh, you know, with, with that, Oregon State, uh, you know, certainly host a regional. Um, but I, I wasn't necessarily sure if Oregon State was a surefire, you know, top eight team just because of the question marks in the lineup entering the season. But through the first couple of weeks, I do think that we've seen that this team probably is a, a top eight, top five team in the country that, that certainly can win the Pac-12 conference. They can get back to the College World Series. You know, just just like with a lot of things, you know, once you get to the College World Series, you just you need a lot of things to go your way with luck and matchups, and, and really any of those eight teams. Once you get to the College World Series, can win the whole thing. So, is Oregon State a contender? Uh, absolutely. I mean, to to say the season would be a disappointment if they end up coming up short of the College World Series, I, I don't think that would be fair. But, you know, I mean, this team has talent. They have a lot of pitching. They play defense. So I, I don't see any reason why they, they can't make another run back to Omaha. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, Bob, thank you so much for hopping on this podcast, my man. Just real quick, I mean, we're going to have to get you back on kind of when baseball season picks up even more and conference play starts because, you know, you kind of just laid it on us and, and that was perfect. That's exactly what I think these listeners wanted to hear. So, Bob, I want to thank you so much for hopping on the damn podcast and we're going to have you back again soon, my man. No, for sure. And then, hey, hopefully I can pull one of you guys uh, maybe to come on my podcast, you know, the Beaver Buzz podcast here coming up. Do you think we can maybe do a home-and-home and work that out at some point? Oh, absolutely, my man. You just let me know. You just, you just tell me and I'm there, man. I'll, I'll, I'll help you out any way I can. Anything you need from me, man, I got you. Appreciate it, Marcus. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too, my man. Thank you.